Welcome to Everyday Wellness. I'm Kelly Donahue, clinical health psychologist, here with my colleague, Cynthia Thurlow. I'm a nurse practitioner, and we are both super passionate about food, here to educate, inspire, and advocate for you for your best health. Hey, hey, wanted to come to you today and talk to you about some of the things that Kelly and I are really loving these days. And one of them are the Dry Farm Wines. And I'm not sure how much you know about this company, but what really makes them different and unique is that they are sourcing wines from organic vineyards where there are low to no sugar or carbs. And interestingly enough, most modern wines have more sugar than a liter of soda. Scary, right? They're lower in alcohol, they're lower in sulfites, and sulfites are kind of those things that can cause a lot of uh, symptoms. You know, sometimes people will get headaches and histamine responses, etc. They are one of our sponsors for our podcast, and we'd love for you to take advantage of trying out some of their wines. They have lots of options. I love their rosés, but you can go to www.dryfarmwines.com backslash Cynthia Thurlow and you can check out what they have there and try some things out and definitely let us know what you think. Hello and welcome everyone. We are so excited to have with us today, Dr. Nick Greiner. He's been in practice for 12 years and is the owner and operator of Greiner Health Solutions in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. Dr. Greiner and his team help patients locally and all over the country and he's served as an Olympic team doctor. How cool. Dr. Greiner's clinic provides lifestyle, oxidative, and regenerative therapies. Nick, welcome. We're so happy to have you. It is great to be here. Thank you for having me, both of you. Thank you. No, you're so welcome. I would love for you to kind of start from the beginning. Obviously, you're also Western medicine trained, but how did you kind of pivot or uh, change the focus of your business, or maybe it always started out as uh, something that was more integrative, but how, how did that transition? How did that go about for you? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I guess the, the, lo- the, the short version of the very long story is uh, years ago, I had a friend of mine. So I, my bachelor's degree is in exercise physiology and nutrition. Hmm. And I was invited by a friend to a seminar um, that a doctor was hosting. He was in an, in an old church and he was talking about all these amazing things. Nutrition, of course, being one, he was talking about fitness and high intensity interval training and, you know, not putting poisonous lotions on your body using the, you know, <laughs> good shampoo and stuff like that. And um, it was amazing. It was, it was very eye opening and it was very complete. And halfway through, he had about 20 people come up on stage and pass the mic to each one of them and said, would you mind kind of giving your, your, your success stories? And I was hearing things like, I'm no longer a diabetic. I'm off metformin. Uh, my PET scan is clear. I lost 120 pounds. It just kept going down the line. I thought to myself, boy, so that stuff's possible, I guess. Mm-hmm. And my initial thought was, okay, how do I do that? How, mm-hmm. do I, how can I be that to people? So that was kind of my, my journey of starting. And, you know, because I had a little bit of a background in that, but really for us, I feel like, and my wife and I early on in school decided how we wanted to practice. And, you know, so our practice basically consists of, uh, we have, we just hired an NP, by the way, Cynthia, we're pumped I about that. It. Yeah, Yay. yeah. We just Yay. hired an NP. We have two RNs. We have two MDs. We do chiropractic, corrective chiropractic as well at our clinic. And it's, you know, we, we absolutely don't claim to, to be experts in everything, but we are a little bit more diverse 
um, than just, you know, for example, cardiologists, that's what they see. Mm -hmm. Um, so we see kind of an array of things, mostly metabolic, I guess, in nature, you know, we see a lot Mm -hmm. of diabetes, we see thyroid stuff, but we also see, uh, we had a guy a couple of months ago, he came and he was diagnosed in the nineties with, um, with Gulf war syndrome. So we see kind of an array of things, but through, through our journey, you know, we were constantly trying to learn. And, and again, you had mentioned the podcast and, uh, you know, for me, it's one of the things I love about social media, especially following somebody like you is that I love learning, mm-hmm. right? I had made a comment on Twitter the other day. He said, you know, before I got on Twitter, I thought I knew everything, you know, and, and, then, <laughs> and then you get on Twitter, like, I don't really know anything at all. So, yeah. you know, I like to learn a lot and, um, you know, hopefully in the future we keep moving in the same direction, but we, we still obviously keep learning. So that's where we are. Well, I think, you know, the concept of lifelong learning is so critical and crucial. And I agree with you that out of all of the social media platforms, and this always surprises people because Twitter really is the manosphere. Like I always tell women, if you can exist as a woman in Twitter, it is so cool because you learn so much and it's a very different, to me, it reminds me very much of when I was at a teaching hospital or when I was part of a very large cardiology practice, very collegial, very supportive. Uh, and I think that's so critical for supporting, you know, learning on, in so many levels because so many other social media platforms may not be like that. So Correct. I'm glad that, that you have found that to be the case as well. Yes. And I, and I do love Twitter more than anything, but honestly, that is the only social media platform I am on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know, why to be perfectly honest with you i just i, I just <laughs> signed no up time for, for all of them right? i mean I, I just signed up in 2016 i thought and i'm just like you know let me give this a shot i've never really been big into that and i know you know when i first got into practice my, my whole my whole mindset was i feel like i have a very important message to get to people and i just needed to get to them right so i how i started doing things was i just started doing community talks I would, anywhere that would let me in i said Hey, can I come in and, and do you mind if I talk about, you know, X topic? And, they, and so anybody let me in, I did. But then I realized, you know, social media is, is obviously important. And I mean, it's a huge uh, platform, you know, mm-hmm. but I do love Twitter um, and I love our community. I really do. Yeah. Well, we're very, very blessed on in the yes. Twitter sphere that we're on for sure. All right. Well, you two have convinced me I'm clearly going to need to be on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, for sure. In fact, in fact, it's interesting. I don't know um, if you follow Dr. Tro and um, Brian, who they both do the low carbon yes. podcast. Yes. They're hilarious. And so they keep saying, why isn't Kelly on Twitter? They're like so aghast that Kelly's oh, not on Twitter. So now Kelly, you never told me that. <laughs> Yes. yes. Now I'm telling you. All right. Social accountability. Here we go. There you go. That's right. That's right. Yes. Well, Nick, you covered so many things in that just brief description of what you do, but a couple of things stood out. One, you work with your wife. How does that work? Um, Well, so I would say she doesn't really, um, she does more of, uh, I guess, kind of the behind the scenes stuff, you know, scheduling and, 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 we're, we've gone through seasons of, you know, being in, in, in private practice, um, you know, we have a lot of, of overturn. I would say more, more so with like, uh, you know, medical assistants or CAs, MAs or whatever mm-hmm. the case is, anything else. You know, our doctors have been with us for a while um, and our RNs as well, but we just hired the NP. But a lot of what we do is virtual as well. Mm-hmm. So she pretty much handles the scheduling for that type of stuff. Um, gets those things in order for people that are even local that just don't feel like driving to the clinic, I guess, you know, we'll do that for them as well. But um, it's kind of a good relationship. One thing that I haven't mastered, we've been married for, what is, what year is this? 2019. Uh, we've been married for, <laughs> we've been together for, been together for 15, been married for 11. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the thing that we have to work on the most, which I haven't figured out yet is kind of how to separate 
Mm-hmm. Um, I want to have a relationship with my wife, not just be a partner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and we, and we don't do, ter- we're not terrible at it, but um, we knowingly sometimes like, okay, we got to stop for now and, and, and be husband and wife sometimes, but it's, it's, it's a pretty good relationship, even, even on the business side of it. So well, the cool thing about that is that you both have the, that same approach on life and health mm. and that same view. So yes. I'm sure that gets you far. For um, sure. The second thing that you mentioned, and we want to talk more in depth about a lot of the different services that you offer, but you mentioned corrective chiropractic. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us how that's different? I went through a course of corrective chiropractic and it made a huge difference in my life. So right. I'd love to hear more. Sure. So, I mean, when I say corrective, I mean, so the way that we kind of measure things is obviously through examination and, and imaging, you know, if, if it's, if it's indi- indicated, but um, you know, x-rays or MRI, the thing about MRIs that we don't really like is that you're typically recumbent. Um, we like weight bearing imaging um, to be more accurate as far as assessing structure, but corrective care is, is essentially molding and training taking an abnormal spine back to normal, right? So for example, like a scoliosis, you know, um, taking a scoliosis and through specific care and physical therapy, molding it back to normal or maybe loss of cervical lordosis, taking a neck that's straight. And again, through the type of care and physical therapy back to a normal, because if you open up an anatomy book, there's a normal to the spine, right? Scoliosis is abnormal. Uh, loss of cervical lordosis is abnormal. So, um, we can do that over time and not just essentially treat somebody, but we can do, we can actually do correction. Um, and that's the goal, right? Cause I don't, I don't want to treat anything. You know, I don't want to treat diabetes. I don't want to treat a bad spine. We want to try to correct it. So that's essentially what we do. And again, we do that through a uh, specific technique. We do PT in the clinic. Um, we also do home rehab. We have people walking around the clinic with weights on their heads and weights over their shoulders and all kinds of, if you walk in our clinic at like three, four, three o'clock in the afternoon, it looks, it's like a madhouse of, of, <laughs> of, of craziness. So, um, but corrective care is something that's, you know, for me, I was always big into the, the, what happens with your physiology with like biomechanics and posture. So for us, that's why we, we chose to go the corrective care route. Well, I'm laughing as I'm sitting here. I don't know if Kelly's <laughs> no. laughing, but I'm straightening up. <laughs> well, you know what? Just out. <laughs> yeah, and I put my phone off to the side. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't want to be looking at that thing. So, uh, but I'm with you on that for sure. Yeah, yeah. no. I, I mean, I think as I watch my parents age, and I have one parent who still has really fantastic posture, and one mm-hmm. who does not. Uh, and it's amazing how, you know, my, my stepmother will say to my dad, why won't he straighten up? I'm like, oh, he's like, he's got a Dowinger's hump. And oh boy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not going anywhere and trying to explain to her how that happens, right. the process and the weakening yes. of mm-hmm. pectoral muscles and, and all those Absolutely. things. So yeah, put your shoulders back and put it back, put it back. My, my, <laughs> grand, my pap, my pap always used to yell at my father I mean, my pap's passed since now, but he used to tell my father, yell him, say, say it with your chest. Yes. Say it with your chest. Like, you know, don't hunch, say it with your chest. So, uh, yeah, yeah. One of the other, one of the many therapies that you offer is a cellular detoxification therapy. There's so much talk about detox out there, and some of it seems to be really rooted in science, and other seems a bit more questionable. So, can you talk just in general about yeah. detox and then about what you do specifically? Sure. Well, I think that um, the first thing, and I agree 100% with you, you know, when people hear the word detoxification, that sometimes, you know, I see the eye roll and Mm -hmm. I I know why. Um, I see a lot of things out there that um, either are not effective or or could potentially be dangerous. Now, detoxification, my my thought on is how I kind of approach everything. The, The most important thing, in my opinion, that you can do, and it seems the most logical to me, is to remove the sources of of the toxins, quote unquote toxins, right? Mm -hmm. So 
I have people that come and see us and they, they're taking all these pills or potions and they're saying, look, I'm detoxing. Look how great I'm doing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, number one, how do you know that you need that? Right. Have you had any labs to confirm any of that? And have, has anybody talked to you about your lifestyle first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. Because why would you try to compensate a lousy lifestyle with foot baths or this or that stuff? That's the first thing is that nobody's talking about lifestyle. And the second thing really is looking upstream, right? So we have our down, down, downstream detoxification organs, liver, kidneys, gallbladders, gut, skin, whatever the case is. But looking upstream, my, my view on health is simple, is health, in my opinion, is, is all about your cells, the state of the health of your cells. That's all that we are in the physical sense anyway, right? Your heart is just a bunch of cells organized that carry mm-hmm. out that function. So how is the health of our cells? So detoxification, and, and my, my point of view, is removing or doing the best you can to limit the exposure, right? So we always start with food. Let's stop the lousy food. And kind of as an aside, by the way, and you, you guys will probably agree with me, one of the best ways to, to quote unquote detox is lose some body fat, oh, right? yeah. I mean, it's just, that, I mean, you know what I mean? Or, or sweat, you know, go, you know, work out, you know? Um, so it doesn't need to be this, this long, you know, process of taking a bunch of stuff. Just kind of get your lifestyle right first. But here's my thing. The three big things, in my opinion, that a lot of people overlook are metals, infections, and mold, okay? Mm-hmm. The, in my opinion. So heavy metals, specifically uh, lead and mercury, infections, and again, they could be co-infections or things like, usually with, with things like, for example, dental work. I work very close with a couple of biological dentists, um, cavitations, root canals, um, anything like that to make sure that the mouth is healthy, and then mold. And, and those are really, really big ones that, that, that I take into consideration. But let's say, for example, somebody has their lifestyle cleaned up and they're still dealing with some of these things. If, 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 if it's necessary that we take measures to help the body temporarily, right, to be able to get rid of this stuff, like one of the things that we do is we do IV EDTA, chelation therapy, okay. if it's indicated. That only happens on rare occurrences, right? Mm-hmm. If people have very high heavy metals, um, other things going on. Now, we have a guy, for example, he has high gadolinium because he's had a bunch of scans because he has cancer, prostate cancer. Okay. Um, that's, kind of, that's kind of just the nature of the beast with that. But high mercury, high lead. A lot of these things don't like to leave the body. And they have, for example, lead likes to live in bone. Mercury likes the brain. It yeah. likes glands. Mm. So some of these things just don't easily, you just can't sweat out. Some things you can, right? So my point overall, I guess, is get the lifestyle cleaned up first, right? And if you need to have some sort of, you know, temporary agents or quote unquote supplements or whatever the case is, to kind of help the body, you know, then, then it might be necessary. But my whole point about detoxification is let's remove the sources. You know, we talked to all of our patients about what we mentioned earlier, what type of shampoo are you using? You know, mm-hmm. what type of cleaning solutions are you using? I, um, I was buzzing my, head, my hair for a couple of years and I let it grow back. And the hair gel that I use, I had to search for about a week to find stuff that wasn't full of poison. Yeah. So that's kind of where we are with that. Let's, let's address lifestyle first. And if necessary... If we have to go through some protocol, then so be it. But it's always based off of labs and to make sure that it's indicated. I really love the fact that you start with food. Of course, that resonates with Kelly and I, but I think of a woman, I'm not going to identify who it is, 
that lives within my neighborhood and is pushing isogenics detox. I mean, she's always talking about everyone needs to do this detox and then you've got to eat all these bars and all this crap and garbage. And right, right. I, you know, I have to hold my tongue sometimes because there are people who are not ready to hear what I think of those products. But I agree with you that at some point we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bioptimizers. Masszymes is a full-spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today, risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting-edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer-term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I've used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code E. 
WP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. You know, we have to get real with our patients and have those difficult conversations and remind them that we're exposed to toxins in our personal care products, our food and our environment on a daily basis. And oftentimes when, you know, my patient population are women and many of whom are frustrated because they've gained weight, they don't want And that's always a part of what we discuss. And I always tell them, it's kind of like dipping your toe in the pond. Once you're in the pond, Mm -hmm. then you start thinking, oh my gosh, cumulatively, the amount of toxin exposures were um, that we experience on a daily basis is really overwhelming and profound. Like you think about every plastic container Mm -hmm. that your food is in, or, you know, you go to the grocery store and you're like, this is great. The grocery store has done all this prep for us, but what do they put it in? styrofoam or they right. put inside this plastic container. And so you're constantly exposed to these obesogens, you know, yes. chemicals that can um, induce inflammation and, and, you know, generate obesity. So I love that you kind of, that you've touched on that already. Yep. And so I'm curious to know where are most of your patients getting their mold exposure? Because I feel like mold in particular is so insidious and right. I'm seeing more and more and more of it um, in, in my clinical practice. I think that most is, is from where they live. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of people that we've seen from their work environment, there was a guy that um, I knew that it had infiltrated his lung tissue and they were talking about doing a double lung transplant from oh the gosh. building that he worked wow. in. Right, right. So another instance, I had a family that was consulting who their, their middle girl, their, their middle child, she was at the time, I think nine who kept getting these chronic illnesses and weird things like every three months, Every three months to almost a day, she would have um, horrible illness. She would be in the ER for dehydration um, and it ended up being mold and they had to move. Some people are, you know, busting down walls and having the stuff checked out. But I think it's just living environment or working environment mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say that we see a ton of mold, mm-hmm. um, but we do see mold, um, people for patients with mold, excuse me. Um, and it can, it can range from, you know, severe. We have a guy that has, that's coming in that his brother has to bring him because he can't remember where our office is, oh my gosh. Um, you know, and he comes in for treatment and he has to, you know, his brother calls and says, Hey, you know, he listened he, I have to bring him today because he, he can't remember where your clinic is. Um, so that's my thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And Kelly, I don't mean to interrupt. I had a mold exposure when I was in the hospital and so mm. Uh, it's been an interesting, you know, as much as I know, it's been really interesting to uh, address that on the, on the outside and was very, very surprised to know that I had had so much exposure. So you were exposed in the hospital. Yes. Damp hospital. Yep. They were doing a lot of construction and I was in a a wing of the hospital where there had been some water damage at one point. So that's crazy. And you're you're a rock star, which you've been through sister. I'm telling you, I, it's been, uh, let's just put it this way. I, I was explaining to someone, I was being interviewed on a podcast yesterday and it was talking about like how you bounce back from trauma. And I just said, it's all mindset. I mean, that mm-hmm. was my, I was like, I'm not dying. <laughs> it, it's not Amen happening. It's not yeah. happening. I got too many things to do. I got kids to get yeah. into. That's exactly so, right. Yeah, my grandfather, got- oh, the same thing. He, he, uh, he, <laughs> He's my grandfather was orphaned. He lived on, on, on a railroad car. He was adopted. He, he smoked oh three packs of cigarettes a day. 
He ate candy corn. He lived to be 96. <laughs> he lived to be 96 years old. And uh, I remember him saying, he's just like, I'm just, I'm, I'm re- I refuse to die. He just kept yeah, saying, wow. I refuse to die. I, and I think there's something to that, right? Yep. Yep. I'm no thirsty. That's no doubt. powerful. That's my baseline. Yeah. 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 Well, so. with all of these potential toxins in our environment, including what we eat, it seems that even if we clean up our diet, there would be a need to kind of be in a detox mode often, or at least to be doing some things on the regular to help our bodies detox. Yes. So what I, and I'd like you to talk about maybe some of the things we could do at home to detox, but I'd also like you to tell our listeners who might be wondering, how do I know if I need to detox? Like what would be some of the signs and symptoms that they could detoxify? Great question. So I think that as far as how, how often depends on the person, right? Um, but let's, let's use an example of somebody who has lifestyle is, is typically pretty clean, who eats well, who maybe has low, lower ish, lower, low body fat trains, um, you know, gets good sleep, gets some good sun exposure, um, but still has some issues. I typically, I would say the people that will, will be kind of before are suspecting there's something more going on. First of all, we always confirm with labs. I mean, we, we always say we, we don't guess, we test everything. Love um, it. Yeah, for sure. I, we don't like to guess. It's, it's, to me, it's criminal um, to, not, to not know what's going on. So that would be the first thing. Um, but a lot of things, as far as maybe some underlying things going on, brain fog is probably one of the biggest ones. Mm. Um, chronic fatigue is another one. Um, certain things that could, I guess, manifest clinically, but, you know, if you look at the research, you know, it's kind of mixed with that. I think a lot of things with like thyroid problems are, are more, um, don't get me wrong. There are nutritional things with that, but I think a lot of things with thyroid have a, a strong uh, correlation with, with some of these things. Um, even some virus like Epstein-Barr virus, um, depending on who you ask, is high on the list of things that, could, that can have effect on thyroid, on your thyroid mm-hmm. hormones. Yeah. And so those could just be like a couple of things. Now, again, if we're confirmed with labs after we've kind of ruled everything else out, I don't, I'm not going to say that somebody would necessarily need, so we talk about like detoxification protocol. Here's an example. People ask me all the time, what about chlorella and all these other things? There are certain things like foods or um, agents, I guess, supplements that consider, are considered mild chelators. But here's the deal with that. If you truly want to get toxins out of your body, they have to be bound, right? Mm-hmm. They have to be bound they, because if not, there's, they're, they're going to be circulating and they're going to get reabsorbed. So they have to be bound. So if you're a lot of these people that I see that come to my clinic with, like, oh, I'm taking this, I'm taking this tea or this detoxification product, you have to do this. If, if, it's, if they're mild chelators and the downstream detoxification organs aren't healthy, if your liver's not right, if your gut isn't right, you're going to make yourself sicker. I see a lot of people that do this and they get worse. So you you have to make sure, like I said, the whole process in my opinion is looking upstream making sure the downstream detoxification organs are well and you're limiting or, you know, getting rid as much as you can of the exposures. And then if we're at the place to where you need something temporarily, then depending on the person, it could be maybe just kind of going on for, I say, again, this is completely general because I don't have any context as far as a patient goes, but a couple of times a year embarking on some sort of detoxification quote unquote protocol 
where you're, you're, you know, you're doing maybe like a broth fast, you know, you're getting your gut mm-hmm. right, or, you know, you're fasting. Listen, I love water fasting more than anything. anything. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think it's up there, like probably one of the best things for your physical, emotional health that you mm-hmm. can possibly do. I love fasting. Um, but as far as like, you know, what you mentioned, practical stuff at home, like I mentioned, you know, I don't know. Um, one of the things we talk about our patients with is looking at what we already mentioned, you know, what's going on in your, in your, in your home, in your home life. You know, uh, we wash our dishes with, you know, the ter- soap, soap that's not harmful. Um, we wash our clothes and I'm not going to mention any names or any brands. I have no affiliation with anybody, mm-hmm. but I think it's just, you know, cleaning out being aware of these things that potentially in your home that can cause issues. And here's the thing, like I'll drive myself crazy. I start reading about where, what type of material my home is built, built with, mm-hmm and where the material, what country that it came from, all of a sudden I'm losing my mind about what type of you know, the environment that I'm living in. So, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, you can definitely kind of go down those roads too. But I think that, you know, um, paying attention to your, det- your detergent, your, you know, your shampoos, your, your, if you put lotion on, you know, my wife's, my wife's makeup that she uses is lead-free makeup. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So just, and I think the important thing about this too, guys, is if, 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 you, if you're well-versed in this stuff and you can have these conversations with your patients, like I ask my patients on the paperwork, everything from where you, where you vaginally delivered to how many amalgam fillings in your mouth do you have, mm-hmm. you know, and everything in between, because it's all, it's all relevant. Um, did that answer your question? Maybe? Yeah, that's okay. great. Okay. Thanks. I think those are important distinctions. What I find interesting is how many patients end up in my lap because sometimes the functional medicine practices locally will refer to me when they have someone that they can't quite figure out why they yes. can't clear something. And I can't tell you how many people, you know, for anyone that's listening, they may not be aware there's different phases of detoxification in the body and yes. in the liver specifically. Yes. So a patient will be put on a protocol and then all of a sudden they are despondent, they're suicidal, they're exhausted, they feel terrible. And the first thing I say to them is, I think your phase one detoxification sped up and your phase two came to a crashing halt, which explains why you've got all these you know, toxins that are, are making you feel so badly. And so it's, it's really kind of ratcheting it back. And I, I think the, what I'm, I'm hearing you say, and I, I absolutely agree with is that it's so personalized. It's impossible to use a one size fits all philosophy yes. Yes. Uh, because each one of us are bio individuals. And Correct. then on top of it, we've all had, you know, differing degrees of exposures throughout our lifetime. You know, one thing I think that's interesting is, you know, that the concept of binders, you know, we're talking about chlorella or, um, you know, activated charcoal, or if we're talking about, um, you know, clay or any of those things, I think a lot of people will pick up those things, you know, very benignly at a grocery store or Whole Foods or Amazon, and they just assume that it's not a big deal. And I try to remind them that you really need to be working with someone to make sure that you're using it safely. And, you know, supplements, uh, I think are looked at as being extremely benign and they can be, but when they're not used properly, they can be harmful potentially. Absolutely. And by, that was a great thought, by the way. And that's how, <laughs> that's, well, that's how you know somebody knows something about detoxification, which you mm-hmm. mentioned you said phase one and two. And that's, yeah. that's exactly right. Um, and that's, look, I've had people like you mentioned with, with uh, they have, would have symptoms of like uh, schizophrenia, trying mm-hmm. to embark on some of these things. And I'm like, Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armra Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armra's Colostrum strengthens immunity 
ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armrest colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. Consuming Element on a daily basis is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health. And we know that by consuming proper amounts of electrolytes, it can contribute to quality sleep, which is critical to all of my perimenopause and menopausal patients and clients. We know that magnesium increases a neurotransmitter called GABA that is known for producing calming effects. And consuming adequate levels of sodium can help you sleep through the night because low sodium levels increase cortisol and adrenaline. Additionally, if you are intermittent fasting, it's important to understand that when you fast, two things can dehydrate you. Number one, if your insulin levels remain low, it can signal to our kidneys to excrete more sodium or salt, a process called naturesis. And as glycogen or stored glucose is broken down, the water left over from the glycogen breakdown is urinated out. So if you want to take care of your health in one of my favorite ways, you can consume Element electrolytes. My favorite flavors are grapefruit and citrus, but there are many others to choose from. And if you go to drinkelement.com slash Cynthia, you can get a free sample pack to try them out on your own. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash Cynthia for your free sample pack where you can try all of their flavors. You, you just, this isn't something to where you can just, you know, it's not like taking vitamin D or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that too, the, the idea with, with, with detoxification is I'm, I'm one of those people that firmly believe that, you know, I believe that the body's well equipped to handle cert- certain things. I mean, the fact that some people live to be 65 years old and, and you see what they do, their body's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that we cannot become overburdened is, is kind of silly. It's almost like telling somebody, well, just because we have a liver, drink as much vodka as you want. Yeah. Right? I mean, there is a point where you can't, it can become too much for sure. And I think, you know, I, I think we're all in our forties. Um, yes, I, yes. I feel like this is that special time, especially for women as they're hitting perimenopause, that all of a sudden, <laughs> if they've not been taking care of their bodies, 
uh, it will become evident. So yes, no really, doubt. really critical. But I, I want to touch on, you mentioned something that I, I know the medical medium talks a lot about Epstein-Barr. Mm-hmm. And so I had to buy his books because I had so many people asking <laughs> me about his books and I had not read them. And so I have them and now they're safely tucked upstairs. They're no longer in my office. But I know that he kind of feels as if Epstein-Barr is the basis for everything, including thyroid issues. And I'm just curious if you had an opinion. He also loves celery juice for everyone, and I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I don't like that. Yeah, too yeah, many oxalates. I know you and I are very oxalate yeah, sensitive. Seriously, it was like we had the same <laughs> diet. Yeah, you know, so again, everything in context, right? So if, if I, I've read a few books, um, as, you know, on, on the topic as well, and my, my general consensus is it's, it's, it's about – the, the burden once again, you know, and we always test for labs and some people will say that there's always some trace of these viruses in there and, there, and then there, there's then, you know, depending on if it's detectable or if it's not kind of like Lyme, I guess. But my, my, my issue is if somebody, we do labs and somebody comes back positive or ABV is high, then is that automatically mean that they're going to be thyroid issues? And obviously that's not the case. Um, because we'll do thyroid labs and there might not be anything wrong. All the levels mm-hmm. might be okay. But, it's, but here's the thing too. If you look at some other viruses, um, again, depending on you asked, there's strong correlation with certain viruses and certain types of cancer, right? So again, that doesn't mean that if it's detectable that something's going to manifest. But I think my general thought or consensus is that it's definitely a strong enough player and mm-hmm. it should be, you should be mindful of it right now how somebody wants to approach the, you know, dealing with it is a different story, right? Um, because, you know, you have, you just have antivirals or then you have like maybe some supplements that claim to have antiviral properties or certain things. Like, for example, one of the things that we do, but maybe more specific for Lyme is we do major autohemotherapy, which, mm-hmm. you know, seem to do a really good job with dealing with uh, underlying viruses and infections and even Lyme. So, how you people choose to deal with it is one thing, but I think that it's a player and I think it should, people should be mindful of that. Um, but just be careful on how they're going to go about dealing with it more or less. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that bio-individuality too, and really needing to test and understand what's going on before you start, you dive deeply into something and thinking that's the only thing that will help you. Exactly correct. And everything it's, you know, we address, you know, I would never tell somebody to, Hey, listen, you know, take an antiviral, but keep eating lousy food. You know, that, that would never happen. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You got to address yeah. it all. Yeah. Well, well, Nick, I know that we share for full disclosure, we share a lot of the food, the same yes. food we enjoy eating, but yes. I would love, I would I know, I know our listeners, especially as we're coming off of a podcast with Dr. Sean Baker, I would love for you to kind of share how your personal kind of nutrition philosophy obviously weaves into your work with patients, but how did you start putting, you know, two and two together to figure out what worked best for your body? So I, I started off, I would say, I, I don't think that I've ever been on a, keto, a, a legit ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. I've always been a little bit more higher protein um, than, than the ketogenic diet calls for. I've, I've been low carb for probably 20 years um, for the most part. And I was low carb eating, you know, low carb vegetables, any, you know, I have to eat my vegetables, right? Because they're good for you. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to eat them because they're good for you. Everybody told me that. And I did. And, um, I, I think that probably for a good part of about 12 to 15 years, I had some gut things that kind of weren't going away and I tried a lot of stuff. So I kind of waffled between 
you know, more of a, of, you know, a protein, higher protein, low carb diet, you know, the fat that I, I never was one big into, you know, eating a ton of fat, you know, mm -hmm. butter in my coffee. I just pretty much got my fat from a little bit of dairy in my meat. Mm -hmm. But I went full carnivore about two years ago and I did it strict for about a year ish. And all those bowel issues went away mm -hmm. almost in, in, a, in a, less than a week. And wow. I'm thinking to myself, okay, so instead of, and I did it first, like I said, strict for a year and I felt great. And I'm like, well, okay, let me see, let me kind of see what I can bring back in and what gives me issues. So I start bringing some back in pretty much the only thing I can get away with, at least I don't have symptoms with, um, some fruits like zucchini, I can do cucumber, I can do avocado, um, I can do olives. What's the other one? Artichoke I can do and then garlic. And Brussels sprouts, surprisingly, I can do Brussels sprouts. Yeah, I can't now, do this. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't explain it, but um, the, 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 the broccoli and cauliflower, oh, forget mm, it. Oh, yeah. Forget it. It's brutal. Yep. So, but now I'm, I, I can't say that I'm 100% carnivore. Um, I, I eat meat only most days. And then if I want to have an avocado, I have an avocado, you know. Mm -hmm. But my fasting regimen is kind of um, – I was 16, eight for years. Then I closed my window. I was doing 20 to four, kind of like the warrior diet. I mm -hmm. did that for a while. And then for about the past two years, I've been one meal a day. Um, but Cynthia, since, you know, we, <laughs> I recently, um, you know, I saw what you posted on Twitter and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give her a shot. Cause I know we have that, that mutual friend of ours that we were talking yep. about. And yep. uh, I know that he, he, he likes that as well. So I've been doing that. And I, I tell you what, I'm a little bit lighter over the past week and a half. Yeah. Um, and I feel better. Yeah. I definitely feel better. Yeah. So I, mean, I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone who's listening, who's curious, uh, I decided that if I was going to implement a strategy with my group, I have a intermittent fasting 45 group that I needed to try it out myself. So I have been doing what's referred to as a five, one, one for several weeks. And so what that incorporates is normal fasting five days a week. And then one day you feast and then one day you do a 24 hour fast. And so much like, you know, Nick has mentioned, uh, you know, I went to LA feeling like a rock star and I think I'm going to continue doing it. Although it, it, sometimes it's hard for people to wrap their heads around the 24 hour fast in addition to everything else. But what I have found is that feasting day for me is really critical. Yes. My body is ready to absorb more protein, more carbohydrates, and I have to be really careful, like, much like Nick alluded to, there are sometimes I get something <laughs> in my body that it doesn't like, and it lets me know. Uh, but I have several women that decided to do the challenge within the challenge, and they're loving it. So yes. you know, it, it's designed, like if you've plateaued, or if you feel like you need to shake things up. And so I'm really an advocate, and, and I want to give credit where credit is due, is actually Dr. Pompa. Yeah. Uh, I mm -hmm. read his book, Beyond Fasting, and, and so that was what initially kind of gave me the idea, and I'm hoping we can convince him to come on the podcast so we can pick his brain further, but he and I have been messaging back and forth over Instagram, awesome. uh, which has really been helpful, but I want to touch back to what you mentioned about, you know, you had digestive issues, you started the carnivore diet. And Kelly and I are all about finding what works best for you. I did paleo for years. I've been gluten-free for eight years. I've been grain and dairy-free for two. That works well for my body. And once I was in the hospital and recovered, I found that anytime I introduced anything beyond meat or fish or chicken or poultry or eggs, 
my digestive system didn't like it. And so I had to cut out all cruciferous vegetables. So broccoli, cauliflower, kale, et cetera. And, and my functional medicine doctor likes to call it killer kale, <laughs> as well as a lot of the sulfate rich foods and the oxalates. So, yes. you know, if you're gluten-free, you're eating a lot of nuts. Uh, you're probably consuming a lot of oxalate rich foods. I mean, I was shocked as, as, as progressive as I like to think of myself in terms mm. of my nutritional knowledge, I was surprised at how much better I felt when I pulled all the nuts out. And so the only thing I tolerate right now are macadamia nuts, and I can only probably get away with them twice a week. Uh, but I think it's really, really critical to find out what works best for your body. The irony is everything that Nick just mentioned that he can tolerate minus the Brussels sprouts is the same way with me. And, I, and it's, I'm curious to know, like I got away with some delicata squash the other day. Mm. And so I, I really have to be careful and, and how my digestive system lets me know that I've screwed up is I get, you know, it's, I go from, you know, normal bowel movements to not normal bowel movements. And so that kind of, it just reiterates for me. I'm like, okay, that didn't work. Okay. The experiment was ineffective. And I did in fact have cauliflower a few weeks ago and my gut let me know that was a, that was an error of mine. Well, you know, something else too, I'm thinking as you're talking and it just makes so much sense. One of the things that, you know, when I was just kind of a, a, a just a low carb guy in general, I wasn't really watching, you know, the types of nuts that I was eating mm -hmm. or any of that. You know, my wife was making, you know, these, these keto desserts, right? Yeah. Where it's mm -hmm. almond flour, or coconut yeah. flour and nuts of this and that. And I'm just, and I, and I'm like, I can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I just can't do it anymore. And on top of that too, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the camp of, you can definitely eat too much fat too. I mean, Correct. I think, I think you can. Um, I'm not one of those people that would say eat as much fat as you want. Um, so yeah, those things I, I, I absolutely cannot do. But one thing I noticed too, Cynthia, it was kind of cool because when you mentioned that on Twitter, it was almost like it was meant to be because I had been, <laughs> I had been on, uh, on one meal a day for, for, like I said, a couple of years now. And uh, one thing I don't like to mess with is my, 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 eat, my fasting window. I, mm -hmm. I you know, I, I love my fasting window. Um, I train fast and I'm, I'm a very active guy. I do mm -hmm. Brazilian jiu-jitsu five times a week. I, I oh, lift wow. weight. And uh, one thing I noticed though, is I started having, uh, I can't say it was an energy thing, but I started having like, uh, I guess like some minor muscle fasciculations. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I wonder if it's like a B2 thing, like a riboflavin. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm working hard and I'm not refueling. Like I, cause I would train, let's say at like noon, right? Brazilian jiu-jitsu at noon. And it's extraordinarily physical. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't eat till like five o'clock in the afternoon. So when I started introducing this, it's only been like a week and a half. It's, it's made a world of difference. The Yay. five one one. Yeah. So um, mm -hmm. I, think it's, I think I'm going to stick with it for a while. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's interesting how many people in the Twitter sphere are, are um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys. I'll have to make sure if you're not already following Murph, uh, you should be. He's a, he's a character. Who's, wait, who's Murph? Cynthia, He's I a former Navy SEAL guy. He's on Oh, Facebook. yeah, 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 yes. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Super interesting. It's a crazy sport. You either love it or you hate it. And you know immediately. Yes. Yeah. I suspect a certain personality is attractive. <laughs> yes, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Well, we're excited to hear that you do virtual work as well. So can you tell all of our listeners who might not be near your physical location how they could learn more about what you do and get in touch with you? Sure. Um, our website is grinderhousesolutions.com, and there is a tab, I believe. Um, it looks different on my phone than on, on, the, on the computer, but there's a tab that says contact us. And I think within that, there is a um, you know, contact us. Um, you can email us or you can request like a, we do like a 15, 20 minute, like a, a you know, 
consultation online that would note free of charge just to see if, you know, we're the type of people that, that, you know, we can help you. Cause obviously we can't help everybody. You know, we're not, we're not experts at everything, but that would probably be the best way. And then um, we get a notification and we just get back to you. Awesome. And yep. your website is full of information on various conditions and it really details all of the different therapies that you offer. So that alone is a great resource for Thank people. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes. So if you had to give our listeners just two tips that they could use to improve their health and wellness every day, what would those be? Stop eating so often and cut out sugar, grain, seed oils. Ooh, I love it. So that, simple, but so powerful. Yeah, yep. That would, be, that would be my two easy general tips to start with for sure. Love it. Well, thank you so much for carving a little bit of time out of your busy schedule to connect with us. And we'll definitely love to bring you back. Thank you both so much. It was a, it was a pleasure being here. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. If you have questions or would like us to discuss a certain topic, please feel free to email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can find out more about Kelly at kellydonahuephd.com and more about Cynthia at cynthiatherlow.com. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.